Oh, right. Okay. We've just been laughing about how poorly this is going to go, but we'll see what happens. This is trade time. This is the first episode. Jordan has kindly, kindly offered to be my guinea pig to work out how to do this and try and get the ring rust off from not making any videos for ages. Uh, my name's Charles Thompson. I run Snakes and Adders in Sheffield. I have done for 22 years. But these videos aren't about my shop. Uh, these videos are about shop owners from across the country who have got interesting stories to tell. They have uh, huge varying levels of experience within the trade. Shop owners come in all sorts of sexes, sizes, colors, creeds, you know, like, and they've got a wealth of knowledge, a hugely varying amount of experience. Um, and I want to investigate that. There's a myth that needs to be dispelled, that shop owners don't have a clue what they're doing. We don't really care about the animals. We just want the profit and want to run. We want to, uh, you know, uh, just mistreat you and the animals in every way possible, which just could not be further from the truth. This vein of experience needs to be mined, and I think it makes for really interesting conversations. Uh, and, you know, that's it. Without further ado, may I introduce Jordan Mangum, of Peculiar Pets. Hello, Jordan. Hi, Jazz. <laughs> you all right, love? Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, getting there. A uh, long day at work, but we'll uh, crack on. You've been at work as well. I think that's going to wow. be a common thread with these <laughs> because everybody's going to be wrung out from dealing with the shop and the animals and the customers all day, but yeah, that's it. That's the job, isn't it? So yeah. the way I want to set the video out is the first part is going to be framed with what we're going to call general shopkeeping, which is going to be the name and address of your shop. And then I want to know, are you open seven days a week? When do you get your life boots, uh, dry goods delivery days, services you provide? So this is an opportunity to sort of just speak about what it is that you do before we get to talking about experiences and everything else. So I'll let you fly. No worries. Um, so I own Peculiar Pets Limited. Um, we're based in Hetmanwijk. Our address is uh, 8C Market Street. Can you remember w it? <laughs> I think it is. Pretty sure. <laughs> I can type it without looking. I don't have to say it very often. <laughs> Our Give up. Our address... <laughs> Our address is 8C Market Street, Hetmanwijk, WF160JU. Um, Hetmanwijk's in West Yorkshire as well, in case anyone didn't know that. Um, we're classed as Wakefield. Um, yeah, we're a, a little reptile specialist that's recently done the unthinkable and put aquatics in as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we do all your kind of usual dry goods, all that kind of stuff. Um focusing more on kind of like up-to-date care so it's all the kind of like new t5 technologies all the different heating elements that you can use thermostats and all the kind of bog standard stuff and um, i am addicted to branches and rocks <laughs> in a big way <laughs> so we have a massive natural decor kind of obsession going on nice. um and all that kind of stuff and then we do all like obviously supplements and all that kind of stuff um, and that's kind of the same for the aquatics as well is there's dry goods for them is a little bit different and that has been a real learning curve this year is sort of going well we don't need to stop that because no one actually buys it it's a bit strange mm. um and same for like we do livestock for both sides reptile livestock tends to be 
stuff I like. <laughs> we do all, all yeah. <laughs> we, we do all kind of like your beginner stuff. So bearded dragons, leopard geckos, constellations, your things that you'll see around. But we mm -hmm. try and do maybe an unusual morph of it, or we breed our own of a lot of those as well, so that we can give you a little bit more information about, say, a baby constellation that you buy and go, this is mum, this is dad. It was born in that room there, kind of thing. Um, with as far as like services, uh, we do boarding. Mm -hmm. um, we do things like nail clipping, free health checking, and we don't charge for those. Um, sexing snakes, that's a common one. And it's sexing snakes is one of those services that I forget we provide because it's just, yeah, I'll sex your snake for you. <laughs> but people don't always know yeah. you do it. Yeah. Um, and we do, um, so like with the boarding, we do for any reptiles and that sort of thing. Um, although we do keep getting asked if we'll board guinea pigs. Right. Okay. Just a bit. <laughs> like, yeah. No, not in a room full of snakes. No. <laughs> um. So yeah. And then as far as like deliveries and stuff, um, through a week we tend to get our aquatic life who comes on a Wednesday. Right. Um, and then the reptile, pretty much everything comes usually on a Friday. Right. But we're starting now, bit by bit, to get midweek deliveries of certain stuff, especially live food. If we've had a bit of a mental weekend, it's like right, we'll top that up or whatever. Um, but yeah, and we do pre-order services as well. So a lot of people use that as even if it's like three boxes of bugs, if you know it's there in a box waiting for you, it's there. we bag it and lay it away for people if they yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Um we we started it because when we'd opened, um we had some sort of like existing regulars from previous shops, yeah, and they were buying bulk quantities. So they were sort of like, Oh, will you set it aside? Because if they wanted 25 boxes of XL locust, I'd have rather they didn't just take that off my shelf kind of thing and leave me with nothing on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we started doing that and it kind of took off. So now a lot of it, half the order will actually be sat in a box <laughs> waiting to be collected. And then the other half was on the shelf kind of thing. So it's worked out quite well for us. Um, and for a while we only did bibs to order as well. And that, right. that worked ish, but now we keep bibs in stock just because it's easier for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the long and short of that one. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, with the live foods, I've I've never done the layaway stuff. Mm. Uh, maybe that's something that I ought to look into because you're right. On occasion, and I mean, the thing is, they don't come every week. Every mm. now and again, you will get that one customer that turns up and just goes, "Yeah, I'll have 15 boxes of this," and you're just yeah. like, "Fuck!" <laughs> uh, you're glad that you've got the sale, but you've yeah. now been completely rinsed of whatever size they've just yeah. taken. And you're like, "Right, okay." Definitely. So yeah, that, I mean, I think this is where the, these interviews potentially are going to be not just interesting for the hobbyists, but they're going to be interesting for the shop owners. Where yeah. you're <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clever idea. I like this. Yeah. And let me just get my notepad and pen and start writing. <laughs> so, what what got you into the hobby? And was it was it a job that became a passion, or a passion that became a job? Which way around did it work? Passion that became a job. Okay. Um, when I was uh, eleven, I think going on 12 um my dad wanted a snake okay and convinced me that i wanted a snake <laughs> um so that he could get it past my mum um <laughs> brilliant so we, we took a little trip to uh, the shop in leeds uh, <laughs> you might know it um I, I, maybe try me <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah we you i don't think you owned it the first time we went in i don't think mm -hmm. No. And we'd nipped in and you showed us a rosy rat snake. Mm. And this sort of adult female, she's about three and a half foot. And I remember thinking, that's quite cool, that. Having been petrified of them five mm. minutes earlier as well. So 
so it was like oh yeah fair enough. and you sort of explain like rosy rat is essentially a corn snake and all that kind mm. of thing and it was like all right yeah so corn snake seems like a good idea and i think it was about six months after i don't think we really came back after it was like right well around this time we'll look at doing it yeah. and we went and got a baby corn snake um a little cream skull okay and uh which nowadays as we all know rarity yeah um but back then, I, I think it was about 30 quid. <laughs> Just like, I wish we could get creamsicles for 30 quid. Yeah. But yeah. It, and we did that with a little starter kit and all that kind of thing. And off we went. And that kind of started it. Mm. And then a couple of months later, I was like, I want another one. Because that's how it always goes. It is real. We tell yeah. people the addiction's real all the time. They don't believe us, but they're always yeah. coming back from what? So. Yeah. And then we, we came back yeah. and got a snow call. Yeah. Um and they were the first two that started it all. Mm-hmm. Um I mean looking back wasn't the greatest setup in the world. Like my care wasn't great. And the, you just think like even what year are you talking? Years, what year is like talking? yeah, it's like 20 years mm-hmm. and the difference in how we now sell, keep mm-hmm. advice. All, I was just like it's mind blowing. Um and then that they stayed as the only ones for about four years, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I wanted a lizard. Right. And again, came to a shop in Leeds. Okay. And um, having nipped in, looked in all the tanks and, you know, prodded and poked a few things and, and got to know you guys and stuff. And I'd come in and I think Matt was working and mm. I'd says, I'd seen white line geckos, so skunk geckos. Mm. I was like, that's what I want. And he quite honestly turned around and went, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I do. I really do. Like, that's what I want. That's the species I want. I think they're fantastic. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. <laughs> but eventually I was like, look, I've got this setup. I know they're mental. I know this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I was very book learned. So therefore I knew everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'd read on Tins. Well, no, I tell you, it was a book at the time. Yeah. Um, that, you know, they're fast and all this kind of thing. I was like, yeah, go with that. You can work it out. It's yeah. Good. <laughs> the books do not prepare you for how fast that species really is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I mean, watching Matt catch it, <laughs> it's yeah. just like up the wall. Um, and that started that. And then my other half just come on. <laughs> okay. Are we ready? Let me yeah. let me pause it so the dog don't go mad. Sorry, guys. We have to pause that. Like, it's sod's law. You know, if it can happen, it will happen. Jordan warned me at the beginning, well, my partner might come home and the dog's probably going to go batshit crazy if he does come in. Uh, but he might, I don't think he will come home. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and best laid plans. So, you yeah. know, it's yeah. wonderful. You know, we, we, we love working out the kinks. In the first <laughs> this is it. Just what we need. Yeah, definitely. So, so you've got the palm gecko or... Uh, yeah, and then not long after that, um so around the time I got the palm gecko, you had a group of adult crested geckos in Snakes and Adders. And they were expensive, but uh, they were. <laughs> they lived in an arboreal wooden viv on top of where the Indian rock python was next to yep. the door. And I still remember it all these years later. <laughs> and um I remember like they're like, I don't know, I have a bit of a Google on them because I've heard of them, but don't really know anything about them. Because back then they were mentioned in books as this like mystery species that no one really knew anything about. And um, kind of fell in love, settled mm. on Cresties, mm. come back, got set up off you. This time, much better <laughs> than the one that I'd done for the palm gecko. I I had botched that one, mm. um, and then got the male, and then I actually got a female from. I can't think where she was from. Uh, from another shop. I can't remember exactly where it was. Mm. 
and then decide I'm going to breathe these. And mm. you'd said at the time, which was unusual back then, you said, put UV on them. Yeah. If you're going to breed them, put UV on. So I bought, I think it was like an Exoterra T8 or something. Christ knows how it didn't melt these lizards, but I was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and set up, weirdly enough, these Cresties are actually still alive. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice. The, the female will be, I think, 16 this year or 17 this oh, year. Shit. Um, So that was it. That set us off. And then we got us first babies. Mm-hmm. And it was like, whoa, this is mental. Even my mum liked the Cresties. So <laughs> it was a big deal. Um. So they and were the first kind of... species you bred. They were the first ones you ever bred. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were. Um, that magical feeling watching the first beta, yeah. mate. Yeah. The first bad. one, the first one we kept for about six months. It was like, oh. it was ready to go. And we're like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> keep just keep it. it. Just keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we did that for a couple of years. And then I'd done work experience with you. Mm-hmm. And that then set that off. Yeah. <laughs> um, and started like doing them like just randomly skiving sixth form cleaning out baby snakes instead and they'd be like why don't you come to your biology class on a tuesday afternoon i was like because you don't pay me <laughs> it's like the dude bungs me 20 quid i'm 16 this is what i want to do sorry school sorry sorry well i still i still passed my a levels so oh, we, we got away with it then. yeah um Weirdly, though, it was biology and how much biology do we use in our jobs? It's like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Would have kind of been useful, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. But when, when they started doing, like, Mendeley and genetics and stuff, I was like, I already know this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've already had that course. and I'll be, you know, a royal pipe and I'll tell you what you're doing. <laughs> but, yeah, oh. and it, it sort of, like, it spiraled from there. And then when you'd moved to Sheffield and I'd then got the job at T-Pet, I then started enjoying things like staff discount (laughs) and going, oh, we'll take these snakes home now. And it it ended up like, I think I had 80 odd adult snakes at home. Mm -hmm. And I was like king of the rat keepers at this point. Everything was stacked high and all that. Um, And then started breeding them. And then one year, like we we topped out and done like 250 baby snakes at home at the same time as doing more than that in the shop. Mm -hmm. And it was like, in the shop do that go home do that and it was at that point that i went this is a job now like Mm -hmm. this is way more than a hobby i was already working as a job but the home thing became actually you're just commercially producing these animals you're not enjoying them anymore so so we started to cut down and then like really streamlined and and sort of started to go well i like it but someone else will like it more Mm -hmm. so we'll pop it in the shop or whatever and then Yeah. yeah so that's kind of how it spirals really it's easy for it to become a busman's holiday yeah and, and that definitely happened to me i share that experience with you wholeheartedly and mm. i mean at snakes and adders leads when you were there with us we mm. had the breeding room in the cellar and we had a lot of like pythons and boas and yeah i had the tote i mean toke morphs way back when and all the other stuff yeah. and and that that was all fine and dandy but even that started to get to a point where it was hard to manage mm. you would by the time someone had finished one end of the room you were starting at the other end of yeah the room. again there was never that break of you know and uh we made the mental decision when we moved to sheffield one to streamline the collection and shrink the mm. shop considerably so effectively nigh on all of the breeding stock went yeah. but equally it was around at that point if not slightly before that i completely bailed on keeping at home because for me, doing, I mean, the reason we moved to Sheffield was we'd had Cole, uh, my son, and mm. uh, I didn't want to miss him growing up. So yeah. 
by the time I'd done the Leeds trek, it was it was too much, man. And then mm. to come home and think, shit, but fifteen vivariums to clean out and all the rest of it, yeah. it just it, it. I think sometimes it's hard to maintain your passion when you're also a shop owner. I think yeah. it's a really difficult balance. Um, and you know, like obviously you're a shop owner now. What on earth possessed you to work in your own shop? <laughs> are you are you doing uh-huh. <laughs> um I think so I think what did it for me was I'd done it for other people for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um by this point I'd done work experience with you, I'd, I'd worked the odd Saturday and things like that for your yeah. stuff. So that was maybe like a year and a half, two years by the time that ended. Then it was like 10 years of tea pets. Yeah. And I think it was the idea that because you'd learn as you were going about like what works, what doesn't work. And you'd be sort of like, this would work better, but it's not your shop. So you can't just go, I'm doing it, deal with it. Although we did at times, but not like in a business sense kind of thing. Mm. And then you just thought, you know what? I could do this. Yeah. And then well, did. And you took the plunge. Downhill from there. (laughs) That was all she wrote. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how how much of a struggle has it been? You know, like, did you get help initially? Was it the bank of mum and dad or a bank loan? Or did you have students? Um, It was a combination. So um, there was some money put aside. So like when my uh, sister had moved out and stuff, there was money given to her towards the house and things like that, that mum and dad like set aside. And then when my nana passed away, there was inheritance and sort of thing. It was all there as this pot for kind of, if you want it towards the house, if you want it towards this, it's yeah. there for when Buy you a want car it. with it, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, well, this seems a legit use. <laughs> um, let's do it. So we did yeah. it out. Um, and sort of looking back on it, like, I think it was maybe better part of 15 grand, something like that. Okay. And, Looking back, I wish I'd waited, doubled that <laughs> and gone a bit bigger and a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that, done that slightly different, but that all costs. That's the kind of benefit of hindsight, though, George. Well, you yeah. know, you, you could ask almost any shop owner. They're going to have mm. the same attitude, you know. Yeah. I, I bought a shop from Matt, Todd, uh, and, you know, I paid way over the odds for that shop as a going concern. I could have set the same shop up brand new for half what I paid for it as a going concert. Um, but, you know, that's 2020 rear view vision, man. Yeah. That's just the way it works. So, um, but yeah, for me, rather than inheritance, it was it was bank of mom and dad and mm. then, then the bank bank. Basically, they gave me the seed money that would make the bank entertain the mm. loan I required to buy the shop, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so yeah, I mean it's uh, that's twenty three years ago now. So I'm an old man, <laughs> aging myself. Shit, <laughs> these white hairs are fully earned. Let me tell mm, you. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I as with all shops, and I've had my fair share. You know, you have ups and downs. Has there been any particular challenges that you've had to segue, overcome? You know, but whether it was whether it was working with me or with Matt mm. or, or or now with your own business. Yeah, Jesus, how long you got? Um <laughs> so, I think the memory's pretty good on the computer. So just <laughs> it over, we'll go for it. 
as we've discussed many times, um, I am cursed when it comes <laughs> comes to shops. <laughs> so working with you, I don't think there were any natural disasters. No, I don't think so. <laughs> and we managed to avoid that. Yeah, um, disasters, just no natural ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like starting at T Pets and everything, we had um, everything was sort of fine and dandy. Everything started off great. Um, there was the decision to open a second second shop, which then became very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the first time that place sort of tripped. Yeah, was when we all went shit, shouldn't have done that. Um. And then sort of dealing with that going through it over like the years that it took to kind of build that back up. That was weird being. So was it too big of... too soon? They'd not con- like, they'd, had, I think not consolidated so. Enough, I, I think so. It it was, it was doing really, really well mm-hmm. and almost excelling at that right. point. And I think it was kind of right. Let's keep the momentum going. Yeah. So the second shot was open and stuff, but it was sort of the planning was a bit, weird well it was lacking basically so kind of the second shop opened but it only had like two vivs in a corner and a shelf over there and it was just a bit strange and the the, the location was a bit weird and all that so i stayed in the kirkstall shop like I, yeah. I never went up to the other one um because i was kind of a bit like i don't really want that <laughs> like i want to work where i work i'll yeah. sort this you're all good um so we sort of got through that eventually once that all got sorted out and obviously at this point this wasn't my business but it, it was a hell of a learning curve for yeah. opening your own is going don't do that um yeah. but then through that i sort of ended up making friends with suppliers and yeah. things like that um so brian siddle mm-hmm. um blast from the past <laughs> character from the past yeah oh god yeah um but he he was really decent about mm-hmm. like supplies and things like that um so I got to know him quite well. So when I opened Peculiar Pets, I went straight to Brian for my frozen food and things like that. Um, and he, even daft stuff like just kind of working out that this is what you need to run this shop versus yeah. what you would need to do that. So that sort of went on and and, and it all eventually came good kind of thing. Um, and the second shop closed. Then in 2015, <laughs> uh, on Boxing Day, uh, we had the flood. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was sat there at the counter. I, I was working. Matt was having that day off because I'd done, he'd done Christmas Eve sort of thing and we'd, we'd yeah. done that. And um, I was sat at the counter and it'd been a bit quiet by this point. We'd sort of trailed off and I was looking out of the door at Kirkstall Road and there was water going down the road. I was wow. like, it's not raining. Like, what the hell? So I like, got up and looked down the road and there's just this weird like stream wow. <laughs> forming. My other half at the time was working at Car Factory on Kirkstall Road. Down yeah. near, the, there was a pub on the river mm-hmm. and it was in that retail part that was built behind there. And he, he sent me this message and it was a picture of their stock room with like three inches of water on the floor. I was like, oh, this is bad. But at the same time, I was kind of like, oh, it's fine. We're right down the road kind of thing. And then this water just kept creeping and creeping and creeping. So I, I rung Matt. I was like, you really need to come now. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think Sharp this is going to be bad. Yeah. And then it started like it was on the news that it was going to peak at 11 p.m. It was like, it's four o'clock. And we're <laughs> like, already here. Yeah, yeah. It, we, yeah. yeah, I think the first two hours, I think it went over the curb and was sort of lapping at the door, maybe an inch or so. Um, so it was sort of like, well, what what do we actually do? 
Because is it worth explaining you had a subterranean level? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was our big. So our breeding stock lived in the cellar. Yep. Um, and we knew that there was like a hole to the outside world because <laughs> these were old shops. So we were sort of like, well, where do we put it? Because I think there were, there must have been 200 snakes down there easily. Yeah. yeah. But then there was everything on the shop floor. So we're <laughs> like, well, we can't shove it all in vivs because they've all got like bearded dragons in them. <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah. we're like, right, let's call 18 inches the magic number, get it all 18 inches off the shop floor. If it gets worse than that, we cannot do anything else kind of thing. So 200 snakes came up the stairs, (laughs) one by one by one by one, Um, and as as much electrical gear as we could grab, all this kind of stuff. And then that took us maybe an hour or two. By the time that had happened, it was coming under the front door. Um, But weirdly, the floor was so crap and old that it was running straight into the cellar through the floor <laughs> so that kind of saved the shop floor for a bit okay. and then as the night went on it was like a scene from titanic you look down the little stairwell and the lights were all flashing and stuff because that had all gone tits Shit. up and it was like this water coming up the steps and it was just like this is messed up we ended up measuring the water level with a can of dr pepper right we had it on a shelf uh, on a step and basically it was like when that goes under we know how quick it's work, how quick it's rising. That took about 10 minutes. <laughs> so we're like, this is bad. Um, eventually all the electrics went off, apart from one socket, which was so we had it was around the time like T5s became a thing. Mm-hmm. And we had a 54 watt unit sat on this massive mesh chameleon enclosure. So we flipped it upside down and lit the room with a T5. Right. <laughs> so oh, thanks, Arcadia. On yeah. that. <laughs> um, and we, we were like, well, we've just got to wait now. We've got to wait and see how deep it gets. So everyone was kind of safe and dry and all the bottom bibs were empty. Everything was essentially on shelves at this mm. point. Um, health and safety would have had an absolute fit if they yeah, seen some of these stacked up animals and stuff. What, um, do, what, what other choice was it? This was it. And so we ordered a burger. We went, right, we'll have to eat. This was at about, I think, about half past nine, ten o'clock. We're like, we're in this till the end. Let's Mm. get some food. Let's just sit down, watch it soak through the carpet kind of thing. And um, which, to be fair, ended up doing us a favour because that carpet was hideous. Mm. So when it went, we were all like, thank God for that. (laughs) And it had been stained by every snake and lizard you could possibly imagine. So it needed to go. Yeah. So we sat eating these burgers by T5 lighting. (laughs) And then it got to pretty much bang on 11 o'clock and the yep. water as if like instantly just drained against the front door. Like it got up against the front door, but we had a lot of um, pro reptortus life, <laughs> like using that as sandbags against Thanks, the Peregrine. door. <laughs> Thanks, Peregrine. Thanks, <laughs> Peregrine. It, and it worked. Like we were so yeah. surprised that it worked. And then it just dropped like five, six inches really quickly and you can literally see this swell like move down Kirkstall Road it was so weird but as we were like looking out the front door watching this like horror scene going on a bench from outside the pub on the river floated by oh mate um like the proper like square four seater kind of thing then the bread trolleys from Asda one of them went by (laughs) and I think the weirdest one was the canoe oh shit <laughs> we think someone had got clever thinking they were going to go down and this canoe like sort of bounced off the front of the shop but there was no one in it 
Um, and we were a bit like, do we need to tell someone about that canoe? Because <laughs> is some dude just floundering around on Kirkstall Road? Yeah, someone's died now, like yeah. falling out their canoe. Oh my. And it, it was so weird. And then we started hearing about like the centre of Leeds was flooded and all this. And, and it's, it sort of, it took hours and hours to rise. Mm. And then within half an hour, Kirkstall Road was dry. No way. It was just odd. And like you were looking out and there were like wheelie bins and bits of park benches and all kinds of stuff and it looked like something out of like when you see like american hurricane kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. it looked yeah. like that um and that were it it were done the cellar was still full because the water table had risen so much yes um the fire brigade bless them made like a, a special case of it and came out to drain the cellar right and um, because they were like obviously you've got living things we need to get this sorted um all the time the chinese takeaway that were next door were like well can you do ours they're like well you don't have live animals <laughs> and they're like no no but can you do ours like no <laughs> you're not a priority <laughs> um later on that night that chinese takeaway was sending orders out as well no way yeah they still had sewage on the floor in the oh. front of the shop and they were sending no, orders no, out and no, it was no. just like i am never <laughs> ever. ever eating there <laughs> um holy moly they, they tried for, I think, about two hours and they, they just gave up because it wasn't shifted. They were, they were essentially pumping West Yorkshire at this point. Like, there was that much in the water table. Awesome. So it was like, right, we'll, we'll just call it a day around. I think it was around midnight. Water had gone, all that. And we just went and went, right, in the morning, we'll make a plan, what we're going to do. We'll contact the landlord, all this kind of thing, work out what the hell we're going to do. Customers, obviously, phones were blowing up by this point. It was like, yeah. if you need anything, or it was kind of felt like saying, unless you've got a boat, yeah. just don't come. <laughs> yeah. Don't come anywhere near it. Following morning, um, probably a good 30-odd people were already there when we got there. Right. Um, yeah. And it was just this huge show of like regular customers. And, and to be fair, even people whose names we didn't know, but we knew them from the shop. And they were just there, yeah. like, right, what we're doing, where we're going. And we literally shipped an entire shop out across Yorkshire to regular customers that we knew had rack systems or had spare vivs or could literally just in a warm room keep some stuff alive for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, And I sent um, a massive pile of rainbow boas Mm. um, off to a friend of mine and she is petrified of snakes. Mm -hmm. But she was like, I don't care what's in the box. Give us the box. It can come home. I can water it. I can keep it alive. That's fine. Just put it in the thing. Mm. When I the day I went to collect these snakes, when we finally got into the other shop, um, the female uh, Colombian had given birth. <laughs> so I I opened this box to check that everyone was all right before setting off, and I was like, there were two in here before. Now there's twenty two. Oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! So she, she was horrified. Yeah, I bet. Like, so that oh all went God. up, and we ended up the landlord um, had basically given us a shop in Headingley, so like up the road. Okay, yeah. And I, I don't really know the full agreement, but it was basically a case of take the shop, we'll work out rent later, we'll probably keep it the same as down here because it was a bigger mm. shop and everything. It was just move. So yes, yeah, yeah. And pretty much in a day, we set up another shop. <laughs> um, again, with an army of people. Um, and then that day, I think we kept KFC in business because I think we spent about 150 quid <laughs> on chicken wings. Um, so it was to- just... totally devastated. The other shop was just completely wrecked. Yeah. Um, it was strange as well because, like, we'd we'd moved everything out, and then when it was empty, is when you noticed what it really looked like. Because mm-hmm. when it was full of vivs, it just looked like the shop. Yeah. I mean, it was damp, but it looked like the shop. 
But then when it all came out and you could see like the watermarks of the walls and then you mm. went in the cellar because the cellar drained pretty much overnight, which was helpful. Yeah. Um, and you could sort of see like rack systems that have just fallen over and were melting in this wall. It was just the weirdest thing to witness. Mm. Um, and this was our boxing day as well. So we were all like, Merry yeah, because we don't work hard, you know, like there isn't enough shit going on. It like, was. And deal with the flood as well. Yeah. And, and it was things because we sort of, we were coming off the back of fixing from having the second shot yeah and then there was that so the builders and whatever had told us you'd probably be there about eight weeks we ended up being there for nine months um in the center of Headingley in Studentville so it was just it was nine months of actual torture like <laughs> so the takings took up nosedive because you didn't have the market there or yeah it, it was or... I mean regulars and, and people that were buying live food every week that never stops that and yeah. the support was unreal like people stuck with us kind of no matter what it was yeah. yep i'll be there oh don't worry i'll climb over that viv that you're still putting together we'll get us live food yeah and but the new custom was hard because we didn't really want to sell these students bearded dragons yeah because they were going to get rid of them in 12 months kind of They're thing. transient aren't they that's the thing yeah and it, it was things like so we had this customer that came in and she was a student and she says to me how long do these lizards live mm. uh, and it was a bearded dragon so i said so like 10 15 years about your average and she turned me, god it's like having a kid <laughs> and i was like promise me you won't breed because ever because <laughs> if you think you're doing well at 10 <laughs> well, i got it to 15 and then my child died like, oh my god like it is. and then and then she says to me oh but i like these tortoises it's like you need to stop yeah now <laughs> slow your roll, yeah. if you don't um, and then and then it was a lot of that it, it was a lot of dealing with people who were just in for a look and it was the free zoo crowd and that sort of thing and they were entertaining in their own way but they weren't paying the bills so. yeah yeah. So while we were up there, it all sort of t- it ticked along, but there was bill upon bill that kept appearing from the other place and insurance for this and this for this. So it was just a very tense time. Yeah. Um, they were their harder was met under a lot of pressure. Or yeah, palm um, so, a lot of the pressure onto you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so I, I was manager at this point. So yeah. basically, anything with a pulse was my problem, which was yeah. fine. Um. But sort of trying to run a shop and run someone's life <laughs> is quite difficult. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in a callous way. It was just you you can't have both. Sort yes. of thing. Yeah. You have to pick. Do you want a manager or do you want someone to listen to your problems? Because yeah. I either have to go feed 200 snakes or you can tell me all about your bad day. Yeah. Um, and, and and I think the flood and, and that aftermath definitely started to get a bit difficult it was it was around that time that it it was looking like i wasn't going to stay at t-pets for much longer Mm -hmm. um and then we ended up where some of the royals um started showing health problems right um but we'd already paired for an entire breeding season right so we'd 25 30 males had already gone across 30 odd females and it was like shit and when we started seeing the problems We'd had it all treated, gone to the vets and all that kind mm. of thing, but it wouldn't go. Yeah. And then that was like just another thing on top. We we I think looking back on it quite honestly, that it was some kind of like arena virus or whatever it was, but it was never confirmed. And well, slowly... it wasn't back then. You wouldn't know. Well, we yeah. only discovered it a bit back. Yeah. Like, in common and, knowledge. 
And it was sort of slowly but surely we lost most of these snakes, which mm. a lot of them we raised. You're right. So it was okay. kind of like, and when people talk about, oh, I lost my passion, try that. Yeah. <laughs> try yeah. that for a year. Um, because it was, and, and it never went beyond the royals. Yeah. Ever. It was always royals. And then it hit a couple of blood pythons mm. and it hit one of the dwarf Burmese pythons. Um, which is still one of my least favourite snakes on the planet, and it is your fault. They're so, awesome. <laughs> what are you on about? Around the check, When tea pets <laughs> opened, Crystal Palace brought them in, and we bought two pairs around the time you did as well, and so it's basically your fault. Because yeah. <laughs> you introduced us to Darren. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I've, I've never met a snake as violent <laughs> as, as one of them. So, so earlier on in this, you alluded that, you know, maybe there'd been more than one episode of drama in your yeah. reptile life. Yeah. So fast forward to your now running Peculiar Pets. Yeah. You've settled into your first however long period in business. Mm -hmm. And then what? So last, uh, no, not last, uh, Oxford in 2023, uh, July the 5th, <laughs> 2021. Not that I remember it or anything. Um, someone drove through the front of my shop. Um, and basically, I was, it was about 10 p.m. at night. It was a Monday. And we don't open Mondays, or we mm -hmm. certainly weren't at the time. Um, and I got in the bath. I was nice and chilled. And my phone kept buzzing. And it was the ringtone from a Facebook phone call. And I detest that ringtone. So I just kept ignoring it. Yeah. And then I looked and it, it was a customer that lived local called Steve. And I was like, oh. So I messaged him. I was like, oh, I'll ring you back in a bit. And as I did that, it, this photo pinged through right. on Messenger. And it was like this weird bent shutter. Hetman White and the area around it, there's a lot of crashes. It wasn't. <laughs> news that someone okay. had driven to so i was like oh great whatever and then i was like hang on Any <laughs> like, that is my shutter yeah. so i like launched out the bath ran downstairs like josh someone's driven through my shop we need to go yeah <laughs> um and then on the drive over it was like well what do you know like there was no time for conversation just get in the car go kind of thing so we turned up half of hetman white was stood on the street oh. and there were police cordons off and everything like that loads of regular customers sat on the side of the pavement like oh you're here this is what we know this is what we found out the police then wouldn't let me through so i was like that's my shop um i could do with you just pissing off out of the way um and she stopped me and this this police officer she says to me i need to take your name and your details like get them off someone else yeah and she's like no no i need i need to, your details and i was like look that's my shop. I have zero idea what's running around in there right now. Yeah. I need to just get and talk to the fire brigade and find out what's going on. All right. Well, you can't go there yet because we're still cutting them out of the car. And without thinking, <laughs> I just turned around and went, fucking leave them. Leave them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get just... me blue tongue skinks. Get him out the bloody way. <laughs> so it was like, just get out of my face. So anyway, eventually it spoke to the fire brigade. Basically, we're moving this rubble. When that's moved and we know it's safe and the, the roof's not going to come down on you, um, we'll let you in and you can start doing like your cleanups. Like, brilliant, not a problem. So I went to stand at this cordon and five separate firemen, officers, whatever, came over individually to ask if there was anything dangerous in the shop. Mm -hmm. And five times I answered with no absolutely nothing can we just speed this up yeah 
And then another come and another, I was like, I swear to God, if I answer this question one more time. So eventually we got in and um one of one of my regulars at the time is uh, Emily Bre- uh, Breyer. Yeah, which a lot of people know. Um and I know you know. Yeah. Um her, Caitlin and Macy, bless them at like half past ten at night, kind of like sort of pajamas, sort of real clothes on had just turned up. Mm. And because obviously they keep reptiles, it was like, right, we need to box this half of the shop and then that rack needs to go and that needs to go. And we did exactly the same thing. We literally just boxed everything, shoved it in people's cars and off it went. Right. Most of it came to mine. Um, a lot of it went to Emily's and then and then stuff like that. And then the next day we moved it all into the shop next door that was empty. Um, but the landlord on the night hadn't thought to bring the keys for the empty shop next door. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... It, it had to come home to go back and it, it was no. all just a thing but we there were a few like animals like wandering around on the floor and we found a couple that were dead as well on the night um and then i started seeing all these facebook news sites and stuff like yapa yeah. had done an article titled 250 snakes loose in hetman oh, brilliant by this but point the good I old british in... press yeah good old british press can oh, i mind i i even spoke to yapa on the night Right. <laughs> um, by this point, I was on about 35 minutes sleep. <laughs> so I, I took to Facebook. Then I was like, are you fucking mental? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then very quickly deleted that comment and went, you know what? No, 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 no. no, no. Um, so then we just got sorted. And it was really weird. Like, people seemed to be expecting some sort of, like, mental breakdown. And I was just yeah. like, we'll box this. We'll do that. And I was really, really calm. And a few of them said, like, are you all right? I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Just box it all up. And I'm like, yeah, but are you really all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not bothered. Like, it's cool. We can sort this and we can do this because part of the AAL licensing, we have to have an emergency plan. Yeah. So literally, in my head, I, as much at the time when I was writing it, I thought this is a lot of shit. I'm never going to need this. Yeah. Whatever. And then I was like, right, we move animals. We do this. We check this is right. We do this. So that all got sorted, and then we we moved into the shop next door. But because we weren't in the licensed premises. We couldn't sell animals. Oh, and Jesus. and then because logistically running the dry goods out of that shop, there's one next door, health and safety would have gone mental. Right. It just wouldn't have worked because the way we'd had to get the animals in obviously wasn't laid out like a shop. It was like <laughs> rack on, rack on, vivant sort of thing. Oh, so I was like, I'm never going to get this cleared. So we're yeah. just going to have to call it. Um, we had all the right insurance, which... I thank God for that. Um, So we were covered business interruption and all that kind of thing. And then again, we were meant to be closed about eight weeks and we opened six months later. (laughs) Um, And did the insurance pay out? They covered you for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the the sort of breaking business clause and all the rest of it. Um, Business interruption, stock loss, everything, to be fair. Weirdly as well, last week I got an email from um, like the other half of the insurance, the loss assessor, um, saying that the third party is paying my excess. Right, champion. <laughs> so that it's still ongoing with them, but I was like, oh, at least it's a bit of nice news after all that. Um, so yeah, and we just sat for six months raising animals, and we had the best breeding season we've ever had. Really? After yeah. all that stress, no way. Yep. So we had bearded dragons. I think we had 148 at the time, um, and stuff like that. And then when it was getting to where we reopened, it was like, right, they've got to go. So it was like, right, wholesale the lot, get it gone, so that we could reopen with a reasonable <laughs> amount of livestock. Yeah. 
But obviously, all these six months, we were feeding these bearded dragons. We were feeding these leopard geckos, corn steak, all this stuff that was in the incubator when the crash happened. Yeah. We didn't turn the incubator off because no. we thought we were going for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the following eight weeks, we hatched just an outrageous number of animals. And we yeah. could have stocked another shop with the amount we produced, wow. which was the idea of having a breeding season like that, was to wholesale yeah. it out. Um, but it sat there, mm. eating and pooing and <laughs> costing electric. Yeah. Um, so in the end, quite luckily, the insurance were really understanding about it. And basically said, like, you are covered for that essentially as like a loss of not quite a loss of earnings but like a loss of profit because you'd be paying to feed these animals but you've no way of making it back sort yeah. of thing um so we ended up getting a percentage of what we'd spent taken right. off the profit um that we were covered for so i was like well small graces um but it still cost us money like we didn't get mm. we weren't covered for every cricket we used and all that kind of thing I um mean, it, it, that's a scary thought having to pause here even with the stock we've got now with no eggs in the incubator the idea yeah. of having to maintain feed water clean out yeah. or th- this level of stock week in week out without yeah. the income and you're not being paid in real time you've got to use your savings while that's happening and you yeah. get paid out after the event shit that's gonna start biting pretty quick you know it it was surreal like because when you when you're doing your order for say like what you're going to do in the shop that week yeah you don't pay that much attention to the fact you order a bit more because you're going to feed your own lizards Mm. it's just second nature that oh we will get that many and i know i can take five of them off and do whatever yeah when that's all you're ordering that Mm. number at the end of the invoice suddenly goes shit that's a lot of food yeah um I mean, and Peregrine were amazing. Like, yeah, they, they really, really were. Um, yeah. I, I really like my accounts manager at Peregrine. She is wonderful. And she, yeah, <laughs> bless her. She, she really, really played fair on that. And yeah. if she hadn't, we'd have had to fold. Yeah. Like, if it was, no, we need these invoices paying. We need this doing right now. Um, every time we got an interim payment, it was paid to them to try and yeah. just be like, look, in good faith, this is your yeah. Um. And then when we reopened in the December, it was pretty good. It, was, it still took us a while to get the full payment. We didn't actually get paid until the end of the January into the yeah. February. So by that point, we'd been closed back out of like eight months. Wow. So sorry, we sorry, we'd been waiting eight months. Yeah. Um, but then the shop came back and it was a completely different layout because anyone that knows or follows my shop knows that I rearrange everything. Every five minutes. <laughs> oh, just having a little change round, guys. What <laughs> fucking change? Like, you know, I'm in. I'm in the middle of one at the minute. <laughs> oh my god! Just leave everything where it is. <laughs> no, um, that shop shop is like a TARDIS. Every time I move it, I find more space. <laughs> so, having gone through all this and this career that you've had, even though you're still a young man, really, you've mm. been in this hobby. A, 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 a considerable length of time mm. so if someone approached you and said i really want to open a reptile shop <laughs> what would your advice be i've been asked that several times usually by college students that are on work experience and that sort of thing and my short answer is don't mm. but i'll always answer it properly afterwards but yeah. i think you have to have a very different outlook on the animals themselves and your attitude towards the way you sell them. 
because you might want to go into it and be everything's going to live in a 19 foot walking enclosure whether it's a three inch leopard gecko or a 20 foot retake yep and it's all going to have t5 and it's all going to have this and everyone's going to want to do it my way and the advanced herp husbandry way and all this kind of thing and the reality is you won't sell it so you have to be able to find which i know you talked about this before in, in a video is like you've got to find that middle ground where yeah. you still sell it yeah and you'd be happy if you kept it in that mm-hmm. and then you go but you can also add all this aspire yeah. Yeah. yeah and if they do it they do it and in the same way as like with the animals that you stock now yeah. i make no secret of the fact i cannot stand bearded dragons <laughs> i breed bearded dragons i'm without blowing my own trumpet i'm genuinely good at keeping bearded dragons yep they're not my species they're just yeah. not my thing and um, but you're a businessman and you understand yeah. there's a market for it. exactly i understand yeah. why they tick literally every single box and if someone asks me for a first lizard i will recommend a bearded dragon and i'm not yeah. lying yeah it doesn't mean i want a bearded dragon at home just because i'm telling you how good they are Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a weird lesson to learn is when you start working with a species that you just don't get on with or you just don't click with, but mm. you know you've got to stock it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you've got no choice. I mean, we are, yeah. the majority of shop owners are going to have a passion of some form, mm. you assume, some sort of experience base and they that tickles their pickle. Yeah. I'm, I'm oddball colubrids, always mm-hmm. have been. So I look at a corn snake and I'm just like... <laughs> It's a corn snake. It's not yeah. a bad snake. It's a it's a cool snake. And and, yeah. and and I sell many corn snakes each year. You couldn't pay me enough money in the world to keep corn snakes out. They have I see. but they hold no allure. No mm. allure whatsoever. You give me some irritable, musty, <laughs> dirty, ugly, brown yeah. rat snake that wants to chew my face off every time I go in. <laughs> yes, please. I'll have ten. You know, like that's just the way I am. I'm I'm complete with the flip of that. I've yeah. had a corn snake for the last 20 years. Yeah. Like at, at no point in my keeping working any type of reptile interaction have I not owned a corn snake. Yeah. And I, I don't think I ever won't. I, I really like the species. Um I think like the snake side of me is royals. Yeah. I, I I like the snake. Yeah. I don't like what they became. Yeah. And I think that's that's another thing is like learning a market and learning from the get-go, like you mm. can't wing it and spend 10 grand on Royal Morphs for your local market to go. We just want normals actually. Yeah. <laughs> because you and, and you've gotta you've got to be really willing to kind of test the water and then really adapt to your market, I think. And I think keepers that want to become shop owners, because it's a hobby and it's still a passion, yeah, only have what they want to keep and what they like doing. And that might work. I mean. Obviously, we used to work with Danny Craig and he's mm. a fabulous keeper and one yeah. of the people that really taught me a lot of what I know. Yeah. But I couldn't run a shop on what he breeds. <laughs> no, no. I'd be a millionaire if I did, <laughs> but it's not you're not gonna get but 10 equally because of it. because of his experience in the shop, he mm. would also acknowledge that as well and go, Yeah, exactly. Actually, yeah. You know, I'm not sure that Nautilus geckos are gonna be in this season. You know, yeah. like and, and 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 that's the I suppose. You've got to divorce yourself from the hobby to a certain extent. You don't necessarily yeah. need to completely remove it from you, but pretty much you need to accept that you have got VAT tax, employee wages, yeah. national insurance. You've got um, all of the electrics pay for, which we know it's going through the roof at the minute. I, I think it's a fine line that people, because I think people hear what you just said there about like you, you lose your hobby almost. Yeah. And I think that, 
feeds into people thinking that we're then just about a business. Yeah. Like it's, oh, you're not a hobbyist. You're a shop yeah. owner. It's like, well, I can be both. <laughs> Passion doesn't die. But no, the, the hobby, I'm not a hobbyist. I'm a businessman that keeps reptiles and specializes in them. Mm-hmm. And without being arrogant, I'd like to think that I know one or two things about as well, you know, and just if, <laughs> like, do, do I still need to be a hobbyist to have like a, a um, discernible level of knowledge? Do you like, you know, no. just I, I don't, I, I think, I think when you start differentiating between how you're keeping, so I keep my breeding corn snakes mm-hmm. with the intention of breeding them for profit. Yes. So it's, housed easily cleaned all that kind of thing they're fed in a different way to how i'd feed a pet because i need the females to put weight or not maintain weight yeah and little things like that if you don't have that business attitude to it i think it's probably then you're still a hobbyist and you it's like for me we breed a lot of leopard geckos yeah if one of my females skips a year yeah it's not good i Mm. could be missing out on 20 baby geckos yeah and each of those could retail for X, Y, and Z. And that then pays you rent, your electric, everything else that we've literally just talked about. And I think people who are a hobby breed, like a genuine hobby breeder, yeah, miss that point. Is that if you have a bad year, mm-hmm. well, you just post it on Facebook and everyone goes, oh, better luck next year. Yeah. If my entire breeding stock fails for a full year, I've got to buy what I would have produced. Yeah. Which for a teeny tiny shop like me is a big deal. Like yeah, we yeah. house a lot of livestock in a relatively small space, but we produce a lot of it because that cuts that cost. Um, and I think people don't see that side of it a little you, bit. You, you um, like, I mean, a few times we've, we've mentioned it, we've both mentioned it, profit. Mm. Is, is profit a dirty word? Very, no. like, you know, you, you see these groups, they absolutely hang us out to dry, profit hungry bastards. All they I want think... to sell reptiles, make money, chuck us out the door, they don't care. Yeah, I think there's, I think that mentality comes from, say, a hobbyist who's relatively isolated from, say, like a big town. They don't have a local shop. Mm -hmm. So they buy online. Yeah. And their only real interaction with the outside reptile community is online. The war rooms in seeing, Yeah. Yeah. And it's once you start seeing that mentality being repeated and you start thinking, well, yeah, maybe I've never been to a reptile shop, but maybe that is what's happening. Mm. And then you might see an animal in a reptile shop that is dearer than your local breed is selling it for. And mm. it might be that, I mean, like leopard geckos, for example, I sell my Leos quite cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more because I like making pretty Leos. I don't really mind if they come out striped albino or whatever. Yeah. I breed for a nice variety, but I also don't need it to be hundred quid. Yeah. So yeah. I'll play fair on it because I've bred it. Mm-hmm. But there's local breeders in my area that sell lesser quality albinos, for example, mm-hmm. for sometimes nearly twice the price. Right. I get the flack for being money hungry when I put an albino up at five pounds more than last year because things go up. Mm-hmm. And it's little things like that. I think the, the people how much who regularly... tax are they paying on that gecko? Yeah. I think golden question. <laughs> the people who are regularly interacting in reptile shops understand because they see the amount of thermostats stuck to the walls or the amount of plug sockets that we very craftily hide behind his vibs and stuff and it's that kind of thing i think if they're aware of the running and the daily kind of wow you really defrost that many mice and wow you really use that many crickets 
I think they're more open to the idea that actually that extra 10p we might have put on that is paying something. Absolutely. Um, but the, the, I think it does cut. There's been this weird sort of like shop breeder divide. And like, you should only buy from a breeder. You should only buy from whatever. And I'm like, well, why not both? I have animals that I breed from that are bought from breeders, but I have animals that I breed from that are bought from shops or raise myself, whatever. But for me, I've asked the question several times in groups and never had an answer is I breed a lot of my own stock. Yeah. Am I a breeder or am I a money hungry shop owner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of those, it's like, well, I bred it. I can show you mum and dad. I can do all the fun things that breeders apparently will always do for you, but often don't yeah but i'm doing it in a building and i mean you, you look at some some breeders like you know like money hungry profit grabbing and then you know here's my 200th baby boa that i've produced this season yeah, here's yeah. my 150th reticulated python yeah. oh this is clutch 67 of my royal python breeding project it, it is yeah and you're like oh okay but we're the dicks Oh, wow. yeah. okay yeah. but we pay VAT tax we're registered we have an animal activities license that we get inspected put through the ringer on we have to do fucking UVI checks temperature checks like the record every sale with a like telephone number and name all this sort of gear and you think and we're the dicks how the fuck does that work like and uh, honestly like you, you sort of alluded to it with the amount of stuff like when you Think about the infrastructure in the shop. Like I'm looking around mine now. So say there's 60 vivs. All you see is 60 vivs. You don't see yeah. the 60 separate elements that go into yeah. it. That's 60 bulb guards. Mm -hmm. It's 60 water balls. It's 60 yeah. caves. Well, probably 120 caves. Yeah. It's 60 logs or branches. Probably 120 artificial plants. Yeah. It's four bulk bags of substrates. Yeah. By the way, that'll be replaced every four weeks because we've yeah. <laughs> it for the AAL like, and yeah. all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So at, at which point, you know, it, it's really short-sighted. You want the opportunity to be able to come in and see these animals, see what mm. we do and all the rest of it, and then, you know, slate us and tell us that we're not yeah. trying our hardest. And, you know, Jesus, like if you saw the 85 page document that is the AAL and all of the hoops that we have to jump through now, like yeah. you'd have a far greater appreciation of what it is that we go through. And the fact yeah. that like we're, we're sat with star ratings and we're recorded and all the rest of it is crazy. So, yeah. you know, we'll move on from this because I don't want to get bogged down because it's easy for me to get irate and start, <laughs> start kicking off. <laughs> I'm not known for my patience. So, you know. <laughs> If if you if you were to um, assess what the the key skills of your shop are, what is done well, what you're proud of, and then what elements within the shop, not necessarily what you do, but maybe the way the shop is, what would you change, improve, you know, and uh, what would you do moving forward to yeah. the shop, and what what do you like about your shop? Hmm. Um. I think when when we opened, it was all about we're going to do the whole advanced herb husbandry. It's going to be you know top of line kind of thing, because I think it's very it's very difficult for a shop to catch up on that if they're already running. Because yeah. each week you go in, oh crap, I need to. So I was like, right, we open at that level and we stay there, and we've pretty much stuck to that. It's like lizards don't leave without UV, say all this kind of thing, yeah. um. I think where that then fell down is that 
because we were in a relatively new area and some of the local shops were sort of general pet stores with a bit of reptile mm-hmm. and we then had the sort of the backlash then of well why won't you sell me that bearded dragon into my fornarium with a heat mat or whatever <laughs> it was like trying to balance it then and and we did change like i'm not saying that we suddenly went ah screw uv but it was like we we sort of dialed it down a touch to Mm -hmm. meet people halfway and a lot of those people quite happy to say sort of caught up yes and went right we'll do that and i quite like the fact that or at least i think you do um that you can come into the shop and know nothing at all but you can learn that that's the UV you need and that that's the thermostat you need. And you'll go away knowing how to use it yeah. without knowing what a UVI is and why it's at 12 inches and why this is it. Because no one needs to know it. I need to know it. Yeah. So I can tell you exactly what you're doing, but you don't need to question why you're doing it. It's just yeah. do it. Um, and I think that's a big part of it is I quite enjoy teaching people about what I like doing. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what I like about my job is that I get to talk about my hobby essentially mm-hmm. um to people who like my hobby right so you kind of you're sharing that and you know it if someone comes in and tells me that their guppies have just given birth i'm like that is mint yeah and then usually they'll follow up with oh and then the molly's it and i'm like mm. <laughs> sorry about that um, the learning curve <laughs> yeah and it, it's like when we get young kids and they're like we, we want to breed as leopard gecko and we've got us first eggs and i think that's cool that's yeah. really cool yeah Oh, but then you also have the kind of when they come in and it's gone a bit wrong. And I like to think that you can come in and tell me good or bad and we'll have a chat yeah. and we might fix it. Or we might go, do you know what? This just isn't mm-hmm. working for you or whatever. And I think the the kind of equipment that we stock reflects that as well. So like it's yeah. all very tea, but I don't remember the last THUV I sold, right. which I'm quite happy about because it yeah. means that people are listening and moving forward and doing all that kind of thing. Um, but it sort of then means that some of your interactions are a little bit more confrontational. <laughs> um, and I've said it, I've said it a few times. It's one of the things I dislike about my job. So I we're in one of the few retail sectors where the customer is not always right. Correct. <laughs> because they're asking your advice mm-hmm. and they want your opinion. Yeah. They don't have to like your opinion, Absolutely. but they asked for it. <laughs> very much you had this coming <laughs> and because i sort of grew up watching you serve customers i have adopted <laughs> oh that's a good thing oh my god yeah i i have a very similar straight to tell you yeah. what you need to do you're welcome not to do it mm-hmm. but please don't moan at me in three weeks when something's yeah. gone wrong yeah. And most people take that with a, actually, yeah, I get that. That's fair enough. And, and it becomes banter and it's nice and you build a relationship. Yeah. Some people really take that as, well, why won't you sell me that? And it's like, well, reason number one, it's my shop. Do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and you do, it backs you into this corner where you feel genuinely quite yeah. attacked by it all. And I refused to sell a guy a fighter fish uh, a few months ago. Yeah. And he lost it. Absolutely lost it. All really? I asked. All I ask is that he cycles his fish tank. It had taken him about a month. Right. I was going to, I said, we can reserve the fish. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. No, no, fuck you. Oh and he stormed God. out. He then came back and shouted, fuck you, gay boy, from the door, which oh. amused me no end. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, bye, bye then. Okay. Um, And then weirdly enough, he came back a week later, apologised. 
mm. shook my hand and reserved the fish. Oh my God. <laughs> and he came back and he says, I've gone away and I've looked it online or whatever. And I realized that you weren't bullshitting me. Mm-hmm. Thought, well, no, I was doing myself out of a sale there and then because I was saying, Absolutely. don't take the fish. Yeah. Um, and we've had it with thermostats. Like, you're telling me if I don't buy a thermostat from you, I can't have this answer. I don't care where you buy it, but yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. I want to see a picture of it or, or similar sort of thing. Mm. Because if you come back and go, I've got one, and it's one of those round ones that sticks to the wall. Yeah. We're talking about a different piece of equipment. <laughs> and it, and it's, That's a daily occurrence, isn't it? Come it on, is, let's be is. honest about and, and, that and you, mix-up. You don't yeah. want to sit there and go, thermometer. <laughs> but you do find yourself like... And I, I think that's the, the that's the struggle. That's the thing I don't like about my shop currently is that because it's relatively new and we get new customers and a lot of them might have had not necessarily bad advice, but shy of the mark. And yes. it might be, oh, you actually need to change this or do this. Mm. The confrontation wears thin. Yeah. And it's one of those where we have so many nice customers that want to just, their animals are their world. <laughs> they yeah. want it to be perfect. Yeah. And then you have the others where you're like, I'm asking you to spend five quid on a pot of calcium, for God's sake. Yeah. I'm not asking you to redesign your entire vivarium. Yeah. And it's the little conflicts that sometimes make you think, did I really make it, the right choice here? It, it gets yeah. old, doesn't it? I mean, mm. like, after 23 years of it, I can tell you that it doesn't get any easier. And, uh, like, yeah, it it just grinds, man. Mm. You know, I've just refused you a sale. I've told you you're not having the snake. Mm. One, because you're behaving like a douche. And two, you haven't got the equipment that you need to be able to keep it. So think about it logically. I am a profit-making business. Yep. That only feeds his family when he makes sales. Yep. And I've just refused your money. Yep. Am I doing that to be difficult? Or am I doing that because I have a vested interest in you in, in you making the right choice? Yeah. You know, and they and they, they just don't connect the dots. You're talking to a brick wall and you just think, Jesus Christ, okay, go on Gumtree. Oh, yeah. Get out of my shop. You know, because there's only so much you can do and you want to mm. try. But there is a limit, and Jesus yeah. Christ, it's like, you know, you, you, I'll give anybody a fair shake, but then it gets to a point where you're just like, you just want to be able to put it in a shoebox under your bed. Yeah. And anything that runs counter to that is a piss take. Yeah, as if um, the preconception is just, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. sh- shall we discuss the joys of customers coming in and taking an hour of your time and then going on Amazon to buy the the very product that you've just recommended to them uh, with all of that wonderful free advice that you've just given. Like, are you really serious? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, I've had, I had one re- recently with that where they were sort of thinking about a leopard gecko. It was all good. And they went away and then they came back, asked a few more questions. Absolutely fine. You can question me for weeks if you really need to. I am down yeah. with that. And then they came back kind of randomly there's a bit of a gap and they just appear they went we've got everything so instantly the kind of alarm bells ring because i think this job makes you really untrusting yeah. <laughs> and you assume yeah. everyone's lying yeah um you think well so, i'm investing in you and you've had three hours of my very precious time that yeah. i really don't have enough of yeah i've got 400 animals to look after two staff to manage and make sure that everything's getting done but i'm gonna give you my undivided attention for an hour and a half yeah for you to repay that kind service by fucking me up 
yeah okay no problem and they they came and they said we've got everything i said right what thermostat is that this is it's um it was running a heat mat and it, and it was an on off i was like all right do you know which brand just so that i know because in case they'd bought it's nice to challenge thing. them to make sure they've read it and they know yeah essentially yeah. and they showed me it and it was a brand on amazon that i genuinely hadn't heard of but i was mm. like okay fine yeah yep. i'm okay with that but you've mm. set it up completely wrong because yeah. the instructions that came with it are completely wrong. Yeah. And then it was, it ended up this tank was actually a fish tank. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can make it work. But yeah. by the time we've done that, you might as well have just bought a viv because yeah. I'm going to have to sell you a lot more electrical equipment to balance it on top of this fish tank yeah. than I would be to give you four screws and a fitting kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and in the end, like we went through it all, we told them how to fix it, all this kind of thing. Not Simpsons. Really? Yeah, it just, yeah. I mean, that's a weekly occurrence as well. Yeah. You know, it's its infuriating. And I don't think people realise the toll yeah. that takes. You know, this is the other side of it, the glimpse behind the veil, you know, like literally, as we've just explained, we're, we're, we're busy men. And we're not just sat there, like, as the oracle. As much as the advice is free, yeah, and it's goodwill that we're giving it you on. But you abuse that goodwill, you you know, you really don't have the right to pout when I go, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You don't it's, have the right to pout. I think, like, going back to the kind of, like, the, the, the breeder shop divide a little bit, it's it's that kind of, you can't necessarily walk into a breeder's house, facility, whatever, and get their time. Yeah. You usually message them and wait. Yeah. So you don't have that free flow, let me just verbal yeah. diarrhea all my questions, like, you kind of thing. And I don't mind. I, I, I know you do the same thing. It's like there isn't really a stupid question, like no, no. within reason. Yeah. <laughs> but it is there to of, help. You, You're there to help. Yeah. If you say to me, I know you explained it last week, but my thermostat seems a bit weird. I will go through it from scratch over and over and over. I have no problem with that because I'd rather that than you burn your house down or something Absolutely. stupid doing it yeah. wrong. But there's that like expectation then that because you've done it, you'll then do it for every animal they've just bought from a breeder. Um, I've had, well, we've all had the, I bought this royal, it's not feeding. Oh, okay. Um, is it that one you got off me? No, 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 I've got this one at the show, mm. point of contention, um, and all that kind of thing. And it's like, champion, ask the person you bought it off, because I have no history on this snake. I yep. have no idea how old it is, no idea what it was eating. Yeah. I can't really Is it on Maltese? Much. Is it on live? Is it doing this? Is it yeah. doing I have no knowledge of and this. And I can, I can advise you, but I could be a million miles from left the of where I'm meant to be yeah, yeah, because yeah. this snake was eating a mouse that had been over a kettle or it was eating yeah. a multi-mammoth turned inside out, sacrificed to that god at 3pm, <laughs> royals, um, sort of thing. And you think, I'm going to tell you to give it a rat fluff or a wiener rat or whatever and hope for the best. Yes. Because that's about all I can do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We can't wave magic wands. But no, yeah, we to. As much as we'd like to, obviously we want to help, but it's yeah. it's... I think the limitation is what people don't understand is that yeah. we can only do so much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though we want it. <laughs> and the give and take, not the take take. You know, mm. that's mm. I think that's important. So you mentioned earlier that you've got some breeding projects. So what species yeah. are you working with currently at the shop? Most of the stuff that we work with in the shop um, on the reptile front is actually our pet species. Right. Um, when it, it was COVID and Brexit as a bit of a combination. Mm. meant that buying the species I wanted to have as like standard stock yeah was just getting daft 
Um, the, the the great bearded dragon shortage of 2020. I mean, whoever thought we'd live through that? It was <laughs> like, how are we scrabbling to then pay three times more than the worth yeah. for a normal bearded dragon? But we did it. Yeah. <laughs> we still did it. The market and was strong enough for it. It, it, it yeah. was. And like, it was weird. And it sort of made me go, do you know what? Make your own. Now, we don't, we were already breeding leopard geckos. And I enjoy breeding leopard geckos just for the, how cool is this one? Um, and that then gave rise to Harvey, that weird paradox thing. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. Um, that uh, is now, well, when you last saw him, he was hatching. I was like, Chaz, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and he's now like 10 and a half inch. He's an absolute monster of an animal. Nice. Nice. And he's dad to quite a lot of the babies in the shop this year. Um, and then produced another paradox, which oh, was nice. like, uh, I still That's think he, yeah, I still think he absorbed his twin. Right. Um, but something is happening genetically with these weird spots, whatever. So yeah, it's that that's my breeding projects. A lot of them aren't so much projects as they are just kind of literally a means to an end for stock. And I yeah. breed morphs I like, and I breed from animals that I enjoy. I like leopard geckos, I like cord snakes and stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't breed our own royals because right. I haven't got the energy and passions to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I I like the snakes and I like that someone else breeds them. There's, <laughs> there's not exactly a shortage of them, is there? Well, this is yeah. it. So, if you need I to sort of royal, I, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, I, I have really nice customers who bring me really nice royals, and I just yeah. think I'd rather that. Yeah. Than spend it's more invest time in adult animals that I'm not overly bothered for. Yeah. Taste comes into it. Um, we used to breed a few different weird gecko species. A lot of those projects have either moved on or we've sort of downsized and stuff. Um, and this year we started breeding fish at like a frigging cichlid factory at the minute. I've got something like 300 baby electric blue acara. And I'm like, why, why are you doing this to me? I mean, it's great because it's all, you know, it's all stock, but you just say, Jesus Christ. Um, um, but yeah, the reptile side of it, I I streamlined a little bit and, and I regret doing it slightly. Um, because we used to do like Central American banded geckos. Mm -hmm. uh, we did, I've got a group of fat tails again. Right. Having got rid of my previous group and gone, shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, I miss breeding black rats. Yeah. I used to have a lovely pair of albino black rat snakes that mm -hmm. turned out to be het white side through a happy chance, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and bits like that, I breed the Amazons. They're probably, yeah. they're probably my biggest hobby project. Mm -hmm. I don't care if these Amazons sell. I like poking bright orange snakes that want to eat your face. <laughs> I will breed Amazons year in, year out for as long as they'll let me. And I don't care if people want these babies. I will stack them high. <laughs> is, is there a species over the years that you've produced that you're most proud of producing? Um, or the, the what? And it won't necessarily be the most significant to the people watching. It was the most significant mm. to you. The one that made you go... I'm really fucking stoked that I'm matching this out. And, I, and I've done it, and I've ticked that box. Herman's tortoises. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect it to work. Right. <laughs> and was, um, it, was it a high proportion of success rate, or just one or two eggs hatching out? Or... Um, we did it over about four years, or three, three years. Three years. And I think we got small... I mean, these females were about 12-year-old, so they were the lower end of mature and mm. um, we hibernated them in a less than conventional manner yeah um actually i brewmated them i brewmated yeah. them at my my reptile room dropped really cold in winter <laughs> okay. so we starved them we let them drop 
and it worked mm. um, and then didn't lose weight. So we knew they were cool enough. Yeah, they weren't in a fridge kind of thing. Um, and we got about 50% hatch rate each year. So it would have been better if we'd done more of the kind of involved with the hibernation, but yeah. the babies were brilliant. And like squashy tortoises is just <laughs> the weirdest thing. We had one that hatched out like a rhombus. It was really? all lopsided, yeah, because he was folded in the egg. But right. as he'd stretched himself out, he'd gone that way first and ended up lopsided for about a week. And in my head, I kept thinking, this thing better straighten out. Like, yeah. I can't have a lopsided tartus. And they were brilliant. They were great fun. And then it came to getting the CITES paperwork, and DEFRA never replied to me. Really? So I ended up, my last clutch of them, I ended up having to rehome into rescues so they could get rescue paperwork because DEFRA wouldn't either refund me what I'd already paid wow. or wouldn't reply to my email. So I was just like, shit to it. And I, I just lost interest in the project. But yeah, how long how long was the incubation on tortoise eggs? Tortoise is something I've never bred, so I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> how long did it take? Um, from, it from varied, to be honest, because of the temp uh, the temperature dependent sexing. Yeah, I played with it each year. Oh, so okay. uh, I think the shortest we had, I think, it was about fifty eight days, if I remember right. I mean, that's a quick few years. for an animal that's being born yeah. in the shell. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah, man. Um, I think the longest one year, I think, was like one sort of straggly egg that stayed in there. And I think it was in there something like 90 or 100 days. I, okay. I can't really. I think I'd given up even checking mm -hmm. and then went in one day and surprise, there was a tortoise there kind of thing. Um, but yeah, they were really enjoyable. I, I didn't expect to want to breed tortoises. Right. Um and then did it at the time it was all about snakes and the lizards and i just had this group of tortoises yeah. um and then that year as well we were breeding all these different snakes i think i wish i'd been able to breed my molendorf rats because mm -hmm. they stayed alive a very long time mm. for very rough wild caught animals yeah <laughs> um i paid next to nothing for them which invariably they all were back in the day yeah and to be honest, for what came on that shipment, it wouldn't surprise me if they came out of a food market. Right. The prices were that kind of low. I think I paid about £30 each wow. for these Molendorfs. They were about four foot each, young animal sort of thing. They fed the week they arrived. They were perfect. I had them about seven years, and then we had a heat wave one summer, and it yeah. decimated. Mandarin rats, Molendorf rats, croc skinks, all kinds of stuff yeah. just dropped. Yeah. Um, but they were alive and they were great for all that time. I remember. I love them. I love them. I They're great. And I remember, I always remember posting kind of a bit of a write up about how we'd kept them alive because they were about as fresh wild caught as wild caught comes. Mm -hmm. And I'd put it on the real RFUK, mm -hmm. the original. And I'd put on, they were quite bad tempered. Like they weren't aggressive, but they were Hopefully. quite. Yeah. Yeah. They, testy is what i mm. used to call them you could get yeah. away with move it clean it done back in you go if you pushed it further than that they'd bite and they'd bite quite hard yeah um and i remember someone commenting saying uh, if these rat snakes are being aggressive you are keeping them incorrectly <laughs> like it's a wild caught asian rat snake if it isn't biting me it's going to the vets yeah. <laughs> yeah. i was just thinking like that's the attitude you need from a wild caught snake it yeah. should be defensive um, the so, lethargy yeah. that's the killer. You need them to have that yeah, yeah. and spark yeah. to get them feeding. You know, um, well, we had we had mandarin rat snakes on the same shipment, and yeah. they were too far gone. Yeah, they, they were they wouldn't even try and run away from you. They they just 
gave up and yeah. we lost I think we lost all of those to be fair um so yeah I think they're my two biggest kind of proud oh. moments is keeping Molendorf's alive from basically playing to Viv <laughs> and so, then uh, um, we've had the successes and maybe your favorite but has there anything that stands out as a cock up Something that you absolutely royally fucked up at some point during a breeding project, and then you go, because people don't understand the value added to cockups. Like they, they, like you can have all the success in the world, but realistically, you're not learning anything. It's yeah. those cockups that are going to teach you how to segue and change. So, yeah. is there anything that stands out as an example like that? <laughs> More than one. Yeah, um, yeah it's. Um, <laughs> So re- recently shared on the page a picture of a, a female leopard gecko that got a leg ripped open. Um, right. It wasn't a majorly serious injury, but we shared that as a, this is why we tell you don't jump into breeding, don't jump into whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's been a lot of those over the years. And I think when you do it long enough, you do mm. eventually just start ticking off. Well, we've had egg binding or we've had this. or you know, you yeah. breed enough animals, the odds gods go against you kind of thing. But I think my biggest kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure, but I was frustrated it never finished. Right. The Schneider skinks. Oh, mate, yeah. I got eggs I three got years eggs. running. Couldn't hatch them. They didn't nope. no. And I tried everything. Yeah. Dry sand, sand with the bottom wet, vermiculite, perlite. And it was one of those where I was like, I'm literally going to start doing blood sacrifices at this yeah. point. It's like something's got to make these eggs. Because they were fertile, the veins on those things were enormous. It was mm-hmm. mental. And those eggs shouldn't fit in that skink. Because mm-hmm. like, you 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 bred, well, you got eggs off Schneider. I got I got eggs off Schneider. Yeah. I've never hatched them. But then yeah. subsequently, I've had two pairs of customers in Sheffield get eggs, just hatch them out, no problem. And I'm just like... <laughs> Are you fucking <laughs> like, and they come in with these these lovely stocky little babies. They're like the most beautiful little things you've ever seen, and I'm just yeah. absolutely seething. Yeah. <laughs> but proud at the same time. Yeah. See where yeah. you where where you succeeded past me is the biggest challenge that they found was that they could get them to reproduce the first season, but they could never get them to reproduce in subsequent years after that. Yeah. So they'd get the eggs the first year of cycling, they'd come, and then that was it. And we're talking over four or five years of trying to repeat this cycle or whatever the cycle was. They were actively doing the brumation, light shifts, everything to try and try and get it to come. So they couldn't get the subsequent eggs. So there's three levels of failure, of which I am at the bottom. You got, I got one set of eggs that I couldn't hatch. You got three sets of eggs on three separate occasions that you couldn't hatch. And then Ryan and Rachel... The spawny bastards got one <laughs> straight away, and they're like, "Damn you!" You know, yeah. but that's that's just the that's the way it shakes out sometimes. Isn't yeah, it? Definitely. You, you get those yeah. those missed opportunities, and they don't come. Um, up, so, I think an- another one that springs to mind, and it reminds me of you quite a lot. I when we were at T Pets, I was forced <laughs> to what? keep and breed species. Obviously, I wasn't overly bothered, but yeah, um, like. Dwarf Burmese pythons. Now I've bred dwarf Burmese pythons, and I don't really count it as that much of an achievement <laughs> because we we introduced them, they laid eggs, the babies fed. It was like raising a corn snake. They were honestly yeah. genuinely lovely snakes to work with. Yeah, but I, it just weren't my thing. But we had a pair of false water cobras. Yeah, for nine years, right? Never got an egg. Never so really? much has got. Never so much has got. An ejaculation out the mail. Oh. It was like someone do something. 
And it got to, I think, 2007, and we were sort of thinning out some breeding stock. And I went, they're the first thing to go. So like, get them out the door. And he's like, no, no, I like them. I was like, get them gone. I am sick of it now. <laughs> because it, it was so frustrating. I was like, I at the time, I was breeding Amazons at home. I was breeding multiple species in the shop and at yeah. home as well. And it's like, but I couldn't crack these bloody things that you're meant to just stick together and they lay eggs. And then a couple of years later, you're like, oh, we've got all these false marcos. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, well, more for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's not been plain sailing for the, the pair we kept back from mm. King phases. So the adult, older pair are just egg machines. And then mm. the, the, the pair that we kept back, Oh Christ, their fertility's been all over the place. So it's been anything but straightforward. Anything but straightforward. And I don't know what I don't know what I'm not like the parents and and, and these these subsequent youngsters are the same. Like they're kept the same. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck is going on? You know, like why why is it not so it's mad. I I just don't get it. Yeah. So moving on, how are things at the moment? There's a lot going in the world on in the world with the cost of living. Energy bills, energy bills. <laughs> um, has this presented any challenges or in the future, do you think? I think. You think you'll get away with it? or I think up and down is the best description of the last, maybe even the last six months. Yeah. Going back to June, like when we were getting phone calls, like, do you want to sign a new energy contract? Do you want to do this? This price is locked until then. I did. And. Mm -hmm it made my winter bill affordable yeah. right. because it became a direct debit. Okay. But through summer, it'll be twice what it should be. Right. Which is, so it'll level me off. But at least now I know what I'm paying mm -hmm. instead of getting, by the way, you owe us this much this month. The next month, it'll be twice as much because you accidentally plugged that heater in that time. Yeah. Um, but we've definitely noticed that people aren't spending what they would on new things yeah. so new animals new setups we've had a lot of i'm gonna buy that nice branch or i'm gonna change my substrate into mm -hmm. bioactive or you know those kind of things yeah. or we have a setup that we've been working on for a while we just need the animal yeah that was christmas for me mm. was not bad sales wise yeah. but not the sales you think you're getting mm -hmm. it, it was someone walking and go we're after a crested gecko do you need a setup no and you think, oh, how bad is this going to be? And it would be some 45, 60 with UV and heat. Like, oh, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah, fine, yeah. Cool. there's your crusty, off you go. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was odd. We didn't have any corner cutting, which mm -hmm. surprised me. Because yeah. I thought we were going to start seeing like heat mat on the back wall and mm. the, the proper 90s into early 2000s keeping coming back because people were trying to cut a corner and they'd read it once on the internet. We just didn't have it. it it's... We've had months where we've been surprisingly busy, yeah, but not Christmas busy as it should. Mm -hmm. But then we've also had months where it's been dead, and it's yeah. got to the point where you, you sort of look at it and you think, well, if this doesn't come back, yeah, when do we start going? Shit, this is bad. Um, and I, I've sort of always always been relatively lucky in that like, I can sort of pull it out my ass at the last minute if I need so sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, it's been weird. And I've tried predicting what we're going to do or where would this some, so might put something on sale or might get a new line in and think, oh, yeah. this is going to be quite a good seller. Mm -hmm. And it flatlines. 
yeah. or something that you weren't bothered for. You just got it and took a picture of it on Facebook and suddenly you sold out of it. And it, it, there's just no rhyme or reason anymore. It's, it's really that, difficult. That ever-elusive formula that we always seem to think that, like, exists. This shit doesn't exist. It doesn't no. exist. Something that you will not give a second's thought to. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's purchasing in some livestock, because there's an empty viv, I need to fill it, I need a suitable animal. Okay. And then within, you know, as soon as it's available for sale and it's had its minimum amount of feeds and checks, yeah. gone. Yeah. Or you sell it within an hour and you've got to hold it for three weeks till it's fed. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it goes. And, and then something else that you get offered and you think, oh, that's going to be amazing. I can't, mm. I'm going to get that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, Chaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want all six of them. I'm going to have them all. And then yeah. all six of them are still staring at me six yeah. months later. And you just yeah. think, okay, that's, um, that's a new, you know, you'd like, and, and I've been trying to find that formula for 23 years and, and I can't find it. Like, you yeah. know, and that's why a lot of shop owners, I think, default to what they like. Mm. But Robin, yeah. like, look, this is me. This is what I do. Mm. I like our bullshit. You like our bullshit. Come to my shop. So you'll have. Yeah. A- do you know I, I do think I, I do think that's helped, though, because like while it's been sort of like not necessarily as reliable. Yeah. If you're stocking what you like, you'll yeah. talk about it better. Yeah. And. When someone comes in and says, I'm after a first snake, like for you, be screwy corn snake is a black rat or an eastern rat, this rat and this king snake yeah. and this, you know. Yeah. And I'm sort of the same way. So people go, I want something like a leopard gecko. I'm like, but have you considered fat tail yeah. geckos, pictus geckos, this gecko? Mm. And it might not work. They might still just yeah. buy the leopard gecko, but you get to talk better about yeah. what you enjoy. Um, and I think, I think in this recent period where it's all been very, take your day as it comes kind of thing. I think the days where you get to have those conversations are the ones that keep it going. Yeah. Like if I had to sit and just go, there's your live food one day, right? Yep. Thanks for coming. There's your five mice. See you next week kind of thing. I think I'd have just quit yeah. when it all started getting a bit topsy-turvy because I think if you can't go to work and talk about what you enjoy and all that kind of thing, I think that's why a lot of us do it is there is a hobby yeah. under the business kind of thing. It's always there. You know, yeah. I, I mean, as much as I, with bluster, I say, all right, you've got to divorce yourself from it. I'm still a snake lover, a reptile. Yeah, you have to I divorce yourself be. from it. I so think you have to divorce own. yourself from it financially. Like, you yeah. can't pay for your own hobby kind of thing. Yeah. But psychologically, you're never going to get rid of the fact that, well, you've got them speckled races. I saw, I saw your face. <laughs> Ian, I, do you want to see this one? <laughs> and that's it. And it like a giddy me. kid. Look at it. It's amazing. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure it, it pissed off across the room after yeah. that. But <laughs> yeah, but it is. I think it's when, when you can still keep your hobby underneath it all and think, yeah. right, I've bought myself a little project or whatever. You you, you pass that on. Yeah. Um, and it kind of makes these weird times that we're having now. I mean, since I started working in the trade, we've had all the natural disasters that have happened. We've had COVID. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. We've had the AAL being redone from the pet shop license. What a ball ache that was. Mm. Then we've had all the kind of energy crisis. Since I opened Peculiar Pets, there hasn't actually been a year that hasn't been affected by something else. Yeah. It's really weird. And I think I'm just so used to it now. <laughs> I'm just you like, sleep, whatever. Yeah, you sleepwalk yeah. from one crisis to the yeah. next. Like, yeah. you know, you're waiting for that two or three years of calm yeah. seas where, you know, finally we can 
maybe you know i can afford something bigger than a two-bedroom terrace house after <laughs> yeah. 25 years of work um oh actually no 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 now 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 we're going to triple your energy yeah. bill and uh you know yeah. we're going to shut you down for nine months during covid or, or whatever it was and and you just think right roll your sleeves up. yeah <laughs> and you, you just have to crack on and it and, and it's just it is just one headache after another sometimes and it, i think it's in a way, I think it's part of it. I think, <laughs> for me anyway, being as accident prone and disaster as I, I think my my mum always says to me, she's like, write a book. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, because you couldn't make it up a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but it is. I think. I think this kind of niche trade, because we are we are a niche trade. Yeah, absolutely. I think we attract this kind of odd side of it, where it's like you you wouldn't. If you owned a chippy, you wouldn't expect someone to drive through it. No. If you own a reptile shop, it's like, oh well, it's July, uh, <laughs> and you just sort of roll with it. And you, I think it's because a lot of your hobby is quite unexpected and unpredictable. Like you know, mm. you open a viv and a Burmese python smacks you in the face. It's like, oh, it's Monday. Yeah. And I think it's Hi. just that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's oh yeah, well we tried. You know, get you water tomorrow. <laughs> is that toe case still in there? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, look at bread. It is. And I think that, I think it breeds a a kind of tougher yeah. kind of person out of the reptile trade a little bit. Well, I mean, you do have to be tough, that's for sure. I mean, life away from the shop, significant others in your life. How supportive are they of this clusterfuck that is <laughs> owning a reptile shop? Uh, uh, by... By significant other, do you mean Josh or just my dog? Yeah, um, <laughs> your dog will do. Your dog will do. How supportive has the dog been of shop ownership? As it can be a real labour and taxing on release. He's an absolute pain in the arse, is the dog. Uh, <laughs> but I love him. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, well, I met Josh as a customer. He, he right. was a customer. Um, and he asked me out and that were that, really. <laughs> that, how many years ago is that then? 12. Yeah, 12. 12. 12 years. <laughs> you got in trouble then. You didn't know. It's 12 in March. Okay. Um, yeah, so 12 years. And it was literally just a case of came in, got some bugs one night, and then rung the shop and was like, is that the dude in the check shirt? I was like, yeah. He says, oh, I've just been in for me crickets. I'm like, and, and he might have thinking, great, what, what do you want? It's like, I've just served you. Go away. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, do you want to go for a drink sometime? I was like, no. yeah. Well, but. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he was he was a leopard gecko. He's actually the reason I breed leopard geckos. Okay, I wasn't bothered, and then he started breeding them, and I was like, "That's cool. I like this pattern. Maybe we could get one of these." And suddenly, two became seventy. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> um, I'm never never going to be rich. I, I get no. addicted to things. <laughs> so su support's never been in short supply. You've always felt so no. From starting at T, well, I was already at T Pets then, but yeah. like T Pets through all the trials and tribulations of that, and then starting my own, it was all like, if you want to do it, do it. Um, he gets a lot of free stuff out of it, so I think that helps. Greases uh <laughs> the wheels, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah. I need a load of food for my geckos. Do you? Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> puff up then. <laughs> They're not free than us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. So yeah, and then. This summer, when we decided the perfect idea would be to get a dog, 
mm. that would live in the shop with me as well. <laughs> Good decision. Good decision. Absolutely. He yeah. really was. Um, and on those days where you really just want to curl up and cry a little bit, Hugging a 35-kilo American Bulldog is a really good therapy. Okay. Yeah. I'll consider yeah. that. <laughs> we have we have regular visits from Pixie's dogs. So well, yeah. Yeah, I just sort of succumbed them. Come here, you can be my comfort blanket for an hour. You don't want your mum. You don't want your mum. That's yeah. what I just keep saying. You want me? Come on. Come here. I've got, is, I've got I mean, in my pocket. The, the dog loves every regular customer we've got. He loves mm. everyone that walks through the door. Um. He's a bit addicted to locust. That's about his only. Like I'm like, can you? Because st- he doesn't eat them. He chews them and litters them around my shop. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. So yeah, but no, he, he took to shop life from being nine week old, and it was just plain sailing. But yeah. Has any part of you ever considered walking away? Yeah. What you mean this week? Or like today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um second shop at t-pets nearly did it for me i was just like i cannot do this anymore um then the end of t-pets going in because hadn't necessarily settled on i might do this myself it was just i don't want to close this shop i I don't want to be here when this all ends Mm because i've been here 10 years um so i left in the i think the june june or july okay and just went that way if you want to close it close it i don't have to watch it sort of thing and that nearly did it. I was a bit like, do you know what? Now I've done this too long. I've been, yeah. I've been in this like 12, 13 years now. I, I just, you know, and at that point I was only like 28. It was like 13 years of 28 years. And like literally my entire life has been reptiles. Um, and now I'm 32, which makes you what? 73? Right. <laughs> it's like yep. 32. And you'll say to someone like, oh yeah, I started this 20 years ago. And they're like, Fuck off! Yeah. <laughs> like, no, really, I did. I was, I was eleven, and then they're like, "Yeah, but it would been your parents." Like, mm, no, it was you want it, you care for it. And at eleven, it was right. Chaz, tell me these Latin names, right? Chaz, what book is this? Can I buy this? And you just, and at that age, like, you suck it all up, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah. There's been many, many times where it's just been like, is Monday really bo- worth bothering with, or do we just go screw it? And yeah. now and then, like, I'll just have an afternoon where I think. Just sit in the shop for a minute. Think what you want to do. Decide what direction you want to go. Put something on offer or just don't. Just don't do it. Just yeah. wait a minute. Think what you're doing and then make the decision. Because yeah. I think sometimes when, when I sort of get that way out and just think this isn't worth it anymore. Snap decisions mm. is like the worst thing. You think, right, they're all going. Everything's going. Yeah. Put it all in the bin. All yeah. of it. <laughs> Shop um, the lot. Done. Yeah, it's just like everything royals the lot. And you just... I think sometimes it, it does take a well, it does take a toll. Like I, I, I don't know many people that I know through the trade that don't have to just sort of take a minute and walk yeah. away because it's you, you eat, sleep, and breathe it. It's I work six days a week. We're open Tuesday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Monday, I'm still in the shop. <laughs> I just keep the shutter down <laughs> so I can do stuff without being yeah. pestered or whatever. And people are, oh yeah, but you've got Monday off. I'm like by the time I've done that checked everyone, fed what needs feeding, done whatever, whatever disasters happened. If a ball's yeah. blown, a thermostat's blown, you've got to fix that. I might be there two hours. Yes. Like, oh, it's only two hours. Like it is. That's two hours that I then have to travel home from, 
And then when I get home, there'll be 47 messages from someone whose bearded dragon's head's fallen off. Yeah. And you, it's never really ending. And, and when you haven't answered them in 30 seconds, question mark, <laughs> question mark, question mark, because that yeah. obviously doesn't irritate the shop yeah. owner who's just done a 12-hour day. And yeah, I mean, sat down to eat cold tea because he was late in because his missus made it an hour ago, but somebody's beardy's head had fallen off. So you had to fix it back on before you could yep. come home. And then you're getting question marked after 10 minutes. And you think, well, actually, you know, I kind of just maybe, if it's okay, wanted to spend two hours with my wife watching a film. If, you know, if it's not too much problem, you know, it's, it's insane. It's, I mean, you're on it 24 hours a day. Yeah. And you wake up, go to bed thinking about yeah. it, wake up thinking yeah. about it, and then you're doing yeah. it. It's insane. When we, when, when we sort of started at Peculiar Pets, Josh likes holidays. It's always yeah. been a thing. Likes going away. And the kind of agreement was, I won't make you sacrifice that as long yep. as you get, I can't just at the drop of a hat go. Disappear. It's got to be a year's what sort of thing. So that's why we go away. Like we did New York, we did that. Mm. And it's all planned a good, usually a good year in advance so that I can yeah. go, right, breeding season needs to happen before then because yes. someone else is looking after the shop. And the amount of people when we were in New York who messaged me, and it's like, some, don't get me wrong, some of them didn't know when I was awake. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Obviously, can't fault that. It's, yeah. You sent a message. But some of them did. Yes. And you just think, you know I'm going to answer this. Mm -hmm. And you know that I'm seven hours behind or whatever it is. And you've still done it. And you could have Googled that or you could have rung someone else. Or, you know, it's it's little things like that where you, you sort of, like you said earlier about the give and take, it's mm -hmm. a little bit into that kind of well you're on tap you're going to answer me no matter what you're my um, answer my question and it's like where when did i miss that that you know that memo where yeah. suddenly i'm at your beholden 24 yeah. what the fuck you know so the the hobby faces a myriad of threats yeah. and challenges how do you think the hobby can best adapt to navigate this the hobby and do you think the hobby is well represented no and i don't think the hobby that bit of a limit i don't think the hobby exists as one thing mm -hmm. because you've got the trade yeah you've then got parts of the trade who aren't part of the trade like the bubble kind of thing mm -hmm. like recently there's to me at least there seems to be a very wholesaler retailer kind of split mm. and then there's breeder retailer split and then there's the show and everyone else kind of split and then there's little timmy with his 18 leopard gap you go for you like it that's great yeah. but then there's hobby breeder who's driving a brand new car that they paid for with high-end royal pythons or yeah you know, i don't think there is a hobby at the minute yeah i think there's sectors and I, I think they're starting to move together. And I think that will probably be the thing that does help it is to be represented. You have to have an ideal, like something that you all agree on needs to do. And they're, they're all under the same attack. And that's what I've never really understood is they're all under the same attack by the same idiots saying that 90% of reptiles die in the first year. But they can't agree on whether sand causes impaction or not to mm -hmm. notice that something bigger is going on. And it's... Yeah, sometimes it's like take the blinkers off and realize the world is happening around you beyond yeah. your leopard gecko and it's 40 gallon breeder kind of thing. Yeah, they can have their macro view, 
And, yeah. you know, you're, you're okay to have that macro view, but realize that there, there, there is a macro mm. situation yeah. going on yeah. apart from your micro. Yeah. And as much as you want to war about desert sand for beer yeah. <laughs> or, or rack systems for royals, you see all of these organizations yeah. with the likes of Toland and Warwick and everybody else coming to bear. And we've seen that recently with Scotland. That, 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 that this proposed whitelist and all the rest of it. And you think you lot need to get your heads out of your ass because you, yeah. it, you're you not safe. This yeah. whitelist shit, if it comes to bear, it doesn't matter what style of care you provide. You could be the most advanced dude ever. I'm like PhD, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. <laughs> that, read this, I know him, you know, Marcus mm. Shea's my best friend. Blah, blah, and yeah. all, all that. It doesn't fucking matter, bro. Because yeah. you could be the best keeper on earth. If it ain't on the list, you ain't getting in. Yeah. And then that, that's the way it is. And I think there is like an, an invincibility to yeah. the, the sort of, I, I think like the general keeper. Yeah, thinks oh they'll never do that, really, because mm-hmm. Florida said something similar, yeah, and yeah. the retic keepers said something similar, mm-hmm. and look how well that went. And a lot of them sat back and watched it, not thinking it would happen, while yeah. people worked hard for it. I mean, I, I don't overly support the IHS, mm-hmm. um, especially the shows. Yeah, but I wouldn't publicly write down why. In yeah. case that, just like anything else where you're slagging off someone else's husbandry or whatever, yeah. can easily be lifted and then misconstrued and then Absolutely. turned against you. Yeah. In this kind of like sand kills leopard geckos. Mm. Well, that takes one idiot from the APA or whatever to turn that around and go, pet trade sells sand, which inherently kills geckos. Yeah, they're killing there their own go. animals. They're killing their own animals. And yeah. 90% of them die in the first year anyway. Yeah, and, and, and I just think involved. if you're gonna, I think if you're gonna put that many bullets in the gun for your own community, yeah, I think you have to question why, kind of like why you've not done anything earlier, kind mm. of thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there is a hobby as a whole. I really don't, and I've felt like this for a lot of years. I think there is a trade, and there's a there's a community there, and then there's the sort of outliers to that, and then. You've got breeders, but then there's breeders that no one likes, or there's breeders that are their own thing. And I think, you think really the factions so... will kill the hobby. Like if the factions yeah. can't deal, they'll kill the hobby. Yeah, I, I think if there isn't kind of one thing, and I know the FBH is kind of meant to provide that, but it doesn't. Mm. Um, and the IHS doesn't, and SRAS doesn't, and I, I know all these kind of things are kind of community portals almost, mm. but they don't do what they're meant to do because if you there's no kind of like unifying mm. thing. Uh, I can't really think of it, like a, a unifying kind of message or mission yeah. kind yes. of thing. It's like, we want to improve this or we want reptile keepers to agree a baseline or, you mm. know, it's all, no, we want you to keep it in a 19 foot walking enclosure or no, we want you to put it in a rack or, you know, if it's not a morph, it's not worth talking about. And you've just got all these tribes continually talking yeah, I don't think they realise that really what they are all kind of aiming for is the same, mm. but they can't sort of put aside nah. the major differences in care, preference, whatever. Some of these, of some of these factions and ravines have existed for twenty years, mm. and they get deeper and wider. They don't come closer together. And at some point, you know, they they have got to find the commonality. They will mm. never agree on the husbandry. No. no. Okay, let's put that to bed. We're never going to agree on yeah. husbandry. 
But unless we can agree on a course of action to be able to fight the antis, mm -hmm. we're fucked. We can't keep anymore. And that's whether I've got them in a 33-litre rub or a walk-in enclosure. It makes yeah. no difference. And and I think... I mean, I feel for Sid James at the FBH, who is a really active um, contributor to the reports and things that are put together. Mm. And I think that his hands are somewhat tied. He's a full-time stat statistician. And I've kind of had my own experience of what he goes through doing the energy report, which he did for the shops, which is yeah. you're doing a full-time job. And then you're having to sacrifice this really precious time to put a report together to help others. And I know that they've got failings. And I think if you asked Sid if they've got failings, he would absolutely agree. He'd concur. And he knows this shit we really haven't got together and we, that we're not doing well and that we're really not. But I know this because I was messaging him 48 hours ago saying something along those very lines. Yeah. But, um, like, equally, you know, it can be a thankless task. Hmm. I know what he's sacrificing. He's the chief report writer. Well, he's not chief. He's the only report writer yeah. <laughs> for the rebuttal to Scotland. People hmm. will have an opinion and tell them whether they like this bit or that bit, but they're not writing the 5,000-word rebuttal. That's hmm. Sid doing that in his yeah, own time, yeah. as a volunteer. And it's important to... I'm not defending necessarily the FBH reps or anyone. It's not my job, and that's yeah. not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. But to offer parity, maybe, is to say, I know Sid's doing the best he can with the tools he has available, and he isn't always yeah. given those extra pair of hands that would be really fucking useful when it comes yeah, yeah, to using yeah. a 50-page document. You know what I mean? It'd be nice to have a bit of other contributors going on yeah. as and you know, I regularly hear the rebuttals. We're all volunteers, and blah blah blah. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a volunteer. Uh, wrote a Reps report in forty days that was twelve thousand yeah. words and eighty five pages long. I know all too well about being a volunteer. So yeah, you know, yeah. you, I'll tell you what, we'll compare eighty five page reports and see where we go. You know, <laughs> I, I think that'll be the only one there. Yeah, like so. It is. It's. It's not. It's not me saying like, oh, the FPH doesn't do anything, or the IHS doesn't do anything, or anything like yeah. that. But I think being their in a communication shop, skills suck dicks. Like well, they yeah. need to get their shit together. Social media is king, and whilst ever they are not engaging, producing content, doing this yeah. stuff, they will fall by the wayside. They will not gain traction. Yeah, it just won't. won't I mean, it, it's even goes as far as things like Defra. It's like when the AAL launched, I knew more about it than my council did because I'd got it through, I think, Chris Newman. Yeah. He said, the council like, hadn't, as well. Yeah. Yeah. The council weren't even given the start off documents to do my inspection with. So she's like, well, what do we do with this? It's like, well, that bit there says you do that. I've had this a week. I'm yeah. not an expert, you know, it's your yeah. job. And yeah, I, I think that's a, a big problem in this trade is there isn't kind of a, a trickle down effect of information. It's something gets leaked through it. Yeah. We then go, shit, we've got to sort this out. And then something official gets released as well. It's a bit strange. Yeah, I, I, for me, I think it's that it's that disconnect. It's like, you know, well, what are you doing? We're busy. Mm. Um, do, do you mind possibly... <laughs> Telling me what you're busy doing, you know, <laughs> and, and, and and like you know, speaking for the 8.8 .8 million reptile owners or whatever it is 
around the UK. We'd kind of like to know if it's not too much trouble. Um, and shop owners have got exactly the same complaint, you know, with, with regards to Repta, because yeah. they're, they're our representatives. And yeah. I'm working with Chris now to try and change that because with all the will in the world, he's absolutely pulled out with it at the National Centre for Reptile Welfare because this energy crisis is crippling the centre as it is with everybody else with surrendered animals. There's only so much the man can do. He's one guy. So I've stepped in to try and help him, but I'm not like an apologist for Reptile. There's stuff that needs to change and communication. Top of that pile is the communication skill set. And and shops, like, you know, in, in, the, in the shop owners group that we've got, uh it's like who's Repta? we got that yeah. number yeah. of owners and it's like yeah that that yeah. is definitely a vibe sometimes we're like oh Repta have done this and they're like great you don't know who we're on about do you <laughs> they're just staring at you with a blank yeah. blank expression please tell me what that means yeah so yeah. i don't know so well i think we've done about two hours i think that's probably long enough darling you know for the first episode i really want to thank you for coming on because i've really enjoyed the chat and there was yeah, really there, even though we know each other really well there's been stuff that i've i've heard that that i've i didn't know the detail about the flood the detail about the damage all that sort of gear it offers insight and yeah. shop owners you know we're people we're humans we've got feelings we do everything else and hopefully we've made <laughs> a salient case for more episodes so hopefully it's not been too terrible and people want to come back on yeah if, um, you, if you never do another one i'm really sorry <laughs> we'll see i'll just get you on again next week we'll just have another <laughs> we'll just we'll just punish him i'll have had a fire and a tornado by then so, absolutely. You know. <laughs> yeah just line up the next natural disaster absolutely Definitely. so um to finish off Thanks for watching, guys. If you would like to watch more videos, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and you can also like and share on Facebook. Uh, we'll be back hopefully in around a fortnight with our next shop owner. But from me and from Jordan, it is goodbye. Cheers, guys.